the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 59, recorded Friday, September 21st, 2012. Lime Green Leisure Suit. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, with us this week is George Tucker. He is the engineering coordinator for World Stage in New York, New York. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Don't correct me. It's probably like some suburb of New York. So, uh, <laughs> Also with this is Dawn Mead. Uh, she is from NetAV. How are you, ma'am? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, also is Matt D. Scott from Omega Audio Video. He usually lives in Canada, but somebody gave him a passport, and he's in Michigan today. <laughs> yeah, I like my passport. Uh, yeah. It's fun. Uh, also, last but not least, Mr. Chris Tatton, who has been here before, but it's been a long time. He is the senior programmer for HB Communications. How are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about uh, Celebrity uh, coming out with a uh, fiber HDMI cable, which I think is interesting. It's just, you know, it, it's a little expensive. Uh, Kramer and Commercial Integrator uh, are getting together for a webinar on the analog sunset. And Don and I get to Google and Gaga over the OLED screens. Uh, but first, uh, one of our uh, guys that we've had on from, for quite a, uh, quite a number of different shows is Brad Grimes. Brad is a, a writes for Infocom International under their All Voices uh, blogs and he wrote an interesting piece this week called is demand for pro av on the uptick so i uh, he goes on to go you know um uh, av pros do well uh to remember this number 65.7 you know it's you gotta love that number um it, what, it, what it basically means is that's how buyers of av systems rate their future demand for said systems in other words 65.7% think that they're going to need some. Um, George, all of us here live and breathe inside the, the Pro-AV um, area. Is this a good thing, and do you believe it? I, is it a good thing? Well, it's always a good thing to see an uptick, right? I mean, anything that says that uh, future housing and consumer confidence and desire to have AV in their home is, is an uptick is a good thing for anybody, including this industry. I, like like the article says, though, I, I'd like to see what the next few surveys say. Survey My says. Best Richard Dawson. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Imitation. Um, yeah, see? Great minds do think alike. Um, and so do the third one, ones. but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, is it is it a harbinger of things to come? Maybe. And I wonder, though the survey doesn't go in depth here, I wonder if there's a way to drill down and say, is it because of the new offerings from, say, Control 4 and Savant and Elan and some other companies in which you're seeing that sort of somewhat homer, homeowner installable installer installer type, you know, where that crossover is happening where there's more interest in this mass market options. Or is it just because there's a desire? I, I'm not clear on that, but I would, I, would, I would go to hazard a guess that it's because there's more outreach to the mass market. 
Don is George Wright. It's more mass market outreach from guys like Control Force, Savant, and I'm not trying to be disparaging, but the lower end market of 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 residential getting into the pro AV market. I think that's possible. I think one of the other big things to consider is, you know, we've been in a global recession for a number of years now, and everybody's been afraid to spend their money corporately. Um, you know, the government's been the only real steady market, and even that, they've, they've cut back on some government spending for a while there. And really, you know, I've said this many times over the past several years, AV is where computers were back in the mid 80s. You know, everybody needs it. If you've already got it and you were an early adopter, it all needs replacing. And if you haven't already got it, you need to get on the stick because everybody's using it. VTC, digital signage, all of these areas are so key to business nowadays. And even with the recession, people afraid to spend their money, they're starting to realize, you know, things may be turning around, but we really have to get this communication going. We really have to get this collaboration happening. And we really need to get this equipment purchased and installed. And, you know, the things George mentioned, they, they play a part, of course. But I, I just think it's a case of the, the, the money holders are starting to loosen those purse strings a little bit due to sheer need. They can't put it off any longer. They can't, you know, sit around the 200 ANSI lumen projector that they've had <laughs> in their room for, you know, 10 years now. They need to get up with the current technology in a lot of corporations and a lot of industries. And so they're finally starting to spend. Matt, your, your, your business kind of straddles a couple of different ones. One is house of worship. The other is residential. So is this something that you're also seeing as well, where just like Dawn said, you know, the, the local church has been holding on to a 200 ANSI lumens projector for the last 10 or 12 years. And they're like, all right, you know, we, we've got to make this happen. Yeah, it, it really is. It's hitting that point where, you know, with the recession that we've had, as Don said, it's something where people have held off for so long and they were able to get away with it. We're now getting to that point where, especially in a lot of the house of worship uh, projects and, and, you know, churches that we work with, they're starting to realize that they, ha- just as she said, they have to update they can't just sit back and go, oh, I can get another two years out of this. They're to that point where everything is starting to die. Everything is starting to fade. And more importantly, it's not allowing them to get the look and the aesthetic that they're wanting within their facilities. So um, the church that I'm actually at a conference at right now with, um, they just recently updated uh, two of their projectors and are looking at doing two more uh, of their main ones to get you know, functional or back to functionality and back to, you know, cutting edge and working like just basic function. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think he's right on his article. I think he's right on point. There are a ton of reasons for it, but you know, I think we kind of covered the main ones. Uh, just that you know, people are expecting to see this, whether it's in their house or their church or even their offices. They're expecting to see technology. We've got iPads and iPhones and you know Android devices all over the place. It's no longer acceptable for you to be in an office that doesn't have some form of tech, let alone a church. It just it doesn't fit with our with our lifestyles anymore. Chris, you guys, HP Communications, that you guys do a lot of control. That's actually what you do is you're a senior programmer. And is this going to cut into your business where, you know, whether that's Savant or Control 4, 
uh, or any other kind of point and click GUI like you know control system. Uh, is that going to cut into your guys's deal where you know for you know three or three hundred bucks I can have a basic you know control system, uh, whether or not it's you know um, it's Crestron or AMX. Eh, that's beside the point. Um, I don't think it's really going to cut into that that side of the business so much. Um, most of what we do is, is larger systems that I don't think could really necess- really be serviced by the smaller control system companies. You know, you, you're going to be able to get the, the the basics down, but you're not going to be able to get that custom um, experience, and you're not going to be able to control necessarily anything you want to the way you want to. Um, short of having knowledge to do some of the advanced functionality in, in those control systems. I, I don't think it's going to cut into it that much. Um, that said, I do agree with what um, Don was saying about the economic recession having a substantial impact on pur- uh, prior purchasing and how it's one of those things that is just time that people need to upgrade. Um, it, equipment is failing. You, it only lasts for so long. And before the economic recession, there wasn't really a large um, digital market for integrated systems. I mean, there was digital, but it was SDI. You know, if you think about it, you know, Crestron's DM is is three years old, mm-hmm. and we're in 2012. So when the, the recession started in, in 2008, that didn't exist. You know, there wasn't a lot of HDMI switching, and now it's time to upgrade. You yeah. just can't. You just can't wait any longer. No, you can't, and especially with you know the whole di- analog sunset and stuff like that. So yeah, you're right. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, from BBC, which is one of my favorite channels because you know Doctor Who and all that jazz. Um, <laughs> Europe has hit old internet address limits. Um, there are no more IPv6. Everybody run for the hills. Uh, that's not entirely true, uh, but actually, it's it's to the point where uh, organizations can have one more application for for a, a lot of IPv4 addresses. They'll get about a thousand of them, and once that's gone, it's gone. You then you're moving to IPv6, right? Uh, and just a backstory: back in the '70s, when they they came out with this thing, they they ended up uh, giving out 4.3 billion with a B IP addresses uh, that were allowed by IPv4. And obviously in the 70s, everybody said that was enough. Of course, in the 70s, everybody thought the polyester was cool, too. So, um, that was Polyester's it. not cool? No, it's not. <sighs> 256 still is in Canada. Enough for anybody. You know what? There's a still picture, is in Canada? There, there's a, there's a picture a of me in a lime green um, leisure suit that one day I may show you guys. So, I was three. That's I have, hot. I have no... You know, I have no claim to this. This was all my, my, my parents dressing me up like this, but yeah. Lime sure. green. Okay, what, did you, were you wearing white clogs, too? <laughs> yes, actually, I was. Did it have, like, the ruffled jacket? <laughs> uh, it was It was a lime green suit, and the, the shirt was a, was one of those flower ones. And actually, my, my mother made these. One was lime green, and one was, like, yellow. So it was, you know, they were matching. And my father had a matching one. So, wow. Yeah, and he was in his 20s at the time, so he has no excuse. <laughs> so, yeah, now that we've gone down that rabbit trail, your mother made it. That was his excuse. Well, yeah, that is. That was, that, yeah, that's the excuse. Here, honey, yes, honey, I, I love it. I love it. This it's is awesome. My favorite color. All right, so on for you. Donnie, here's something we've we've dealt with for I don't know a year or so. Um, you start looking at you know Windows 8 has IPv6 stuff in, built into it. 
a lot of the stuff that we put on networks right now, whether that is a switch, uh, a control system, or a DSP, they're going to have a you know an internet connection. Um, is this going to affect the U.S., do you think? Um, is this going to have a heavier impact more quickly uh, because of the of the number of people in the U.S. or the number of devices, or is it just going to be we're going to be on the same you know on the same trail as Europe? Just it's it's over here. Um, I mean, I mean, it's obviously going to have a a pretty quick effect here, even more so than Europe, because you know I don't I'm not familiar with Europe's um, appliance market, but who would have thought? even as recently as the 90s, that we would have refrigerators with IP addresses and, you know, washing machines that send you emails when your laundry's done. I mean, like, it's it's just absurd in a good way, but, you know, in a a very George Jetson kind of way, how many things are connected and are smart devices and the whole smart home thing. I mean, that's the theme of this year's Infocom 100 is what on earth is going on with the smart buildings and everything, having IP addresses and, and talking to our systems. You know, we wouldn't have imagined such a thing. So I, I think it is going to, if, if we aren't already at the limit, we're going to be there really quickly. I'm surprised actually that, that Europe got there before us, to be honest. Um, because you know we're we're Americans, darn it. We want features, and we want we we want we want our you know dogs electric dog door to talk to our email. You know, uh, we're just crazy like that. It, it's just the kind of stupid thing that we adore. So I'm surprised we haven't already run out. Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Chris, is this something uh, being in, in in the control system system something you're going to have to deal with? Uh, sooner rather than later, because, like Don said, you know, we're Americans. We want everything you know, connected. Oh, absolutely. I think it's going to be something that we're going to have to address very, very soon. Um, you know, control systems are, generally speaking, all on the network these days, and the older ones don't have IPv6 support. Um, the newer ones are coming out with IPv6 support, but not, again, not to not to interrupt you. Define for me old versus new. Like, are we talking a year or two old, or five um, years ago? We're talking like I know for you know. Crestron 3 series processors, I believe, have IPv6 support, um, but the 2 series does not. Period. Period. Wow, okay. Hey, that's um, more, more of that good uh, market coming up on people buying stuff. Well, yeah, We're going to run IP addresses, <laughs> they have to replace it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think it's good. I, I've long said that I cannot wait for IPv6. I can't wait for for the U.S. to run out of IPv4 addresses and to just get the pain over and done with. Because it's going to be painful regardless. And, and there's no putting it off. It's, it's just going to happen. George, um, Chris says, let's just have the pain now and get it over with. The U.S. is not known for, how should I put this diplomatically, doing things painlessly. Uh, let's look back a few years to the DTV conversion, shall we? Oh, that was painless. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Hardly felt a thing. No, nothing at all. I, I noticed nothing. <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> How often does that have to be used before it becomes retired? Never. Well, it's been used Never. for the last 40 years, so we're still, yeah. we're still pretty good. Uh, it's Monty Python. Come on. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I'm not well, dead. I'm feeling better. Business... <laughs> Come back gonna, and fight. I'm um, going to go take a walk now. The business I want to be in, actually, is selling the IPv4 to IPv6 adapter switches. Huh? <laughs> I don't know if it's out there yet, but that's the business I want to be in. I'm sure it has a lot to do with you guys selling more AV gear and newer, newer and credit stuff, but I want to be in that 
you know, Geffen or whoever it is market of saying, simply put it in between your IP uh, ISP and your, your home network and you've got a switch. Now there's the money people. Um, you know what part of this is though? We're just messy. I mean, seriously, think about it. Half of this could have probably been delayed for a little bit longer. Yes, it would inevitably, inevitably would have happened. If we just were a little bit in here with our uh, IP addressing, not leaving stuff always on, not having to have 15 mobile devices going all at the same time. I mean, really. Oh, you. Need to do this? I mean, I feel like it's with my kids. You know, I have a five and seven year old. Like, Go clean up your room. And just, just organize a little bit and you'll be able to find that book that you wanted so desperately. Now you sound like a socialist, George. Good Lord. Socialist? <laughs> well, another thing know. is that... I couldn't think of a good one. I'm in sorry, the beginning Chris. of the IPv4 internet, you know, they they had no idea that there would be so many devices where, you know, I believe they handed out an entire slash 8 to IBM at one point. And they still have all of those addresses. Yeah. You know, which is, and, and they're they're probably using a good portion of them, but there's probably at least half of them that are unused, but nobody can do anything with them. Because they're IBMs. Because they're IBMs. All right, Mr. Scott, Mr. Canada, and you guys won't have to deal with this for at least another 20 years. Um, We're very behind. <laughs> but seriously, in all seriousness, <laughs> um, is this something that, that you know, you know, churches have to deal with this too? And, and, and you know, is this something that, regardless whether it's, it's Lustron or Crestron or AMX or Extron, um, do you think we as an industry are going to be able to, to roll with this punch and, and kind of, you know, yeah, no big deal? The, I think the guys that will be prepared for it will be able to roll with it effectively, um, especially the guys who understand it. I think one of the, the major issues that our industry always runs into, and we've talked about this many times on the show, is that convergence idea of AV and IP uh, working together – or sorry, IT working together. Um, I think this is one of those things where the IT boys are, are way ahead of us on it. They've been, been preparing for this for – you know, three, four, five years even um, across the board, whereas a lot of the AV companies that don't, you know, or, or sorry, aren't as uh, involved in the IP side of things, uh, unlike Chris's company, um, who's used to this kind of stuff, they're going to they're gonna have a bit of a, a stumbling block, if you will, uh, with this transition. So <clears throat> I think we'll get there. Um, but again, it'll be the guys who are sitting back going, hold on, I got to what do, I have to hold, hold on. Huh? I got to change what to to who? Wh- hold hold on. Go go Wikipedia this for me. You know that type of response when we with the guys that are are kind of coming at it from that approach. I think that's where we're going to see a lot of issues in the industry. Whereas, as I said, you know the guys who have a much greater IT background um, or have you know followed the lead of Infocom and Cedia and all the other trade organizations that are pushing us um, as an industry to get more IT, uh, I guess, knowledge, um, you know, they're going to have a much better time with it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, just a general question. Is the mm-hmm. generic one going to be now 192.168.1.1.1.1? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's that'll be Cisco's, you know. <laughs> hey, dude, you know what? Cisco's not address. the only one that does that. No, I know. But there's a couple uh, 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 AV companies. I think um, Crestron's oh, not, or Extron's not, but somebody else does. That's yeah, like their default. Tons. Well, it, it's one of those things. You know, I can walk on site, and I don't even have to go into a server room as a rule, and you know, can try six addresses, and I'm gonna find something. Yeah. 
you know, so to see it switch over, um, if they, you know, keep that up, that'll be great for guys like us. But, um, you know, if we get into something that's funky, just for funky's sake, uh, it could be entertaining. <laughs> I like how you put that. It'll be entertaining as I bang my head against a brick wall. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but again, where else are you going to have fun like this? Come on. <laughs> the dentist office? I don't know. All right, from BuzzFeed. Um, <laughs> right now, most of what we deal with is touchscreens. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of us on this call that, that deal with control systems, and we like touchscreens. And uh, if you got the new iPhone today, uh, congratulations. You've got a touchscreen. I've got a touchscreen. Everybody has a touchscreen. But this. Thank you, Oprah. <laughs> yeah. You get a touchscreen. You get a touchscreen. Um, this is, I'll tell you a story later. I met her once. It's a long story. Um, anyhow, <laughs> she, uh, uh, what comes after the touchscreen is the, is the title of the article. And basically the idea is this, um, the, the, the guy who wrote this is Russell, uh, Brandom. He says, Brand? huh? Russell Brand? Brandom. Oh, Brandom. As in random, only Brandom. Gotcha. Okay. There. We good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Good. Sorry. <laughs> is, is. His premise is this: the very next, uh, you know, Steve Jobs. One more thing, by the way, as we leap forward in technology, is going to be not touching it. <laughs> I guess the best way to put it, and whether that's connect or something else like it, he says, you know, you're you're going to get to the point where we're not connecting, we're not touching it, but we're still controlling it. Uh, George, first of all, is this a good? Is this? Do you think this is this is accurate? Like our next thing really is going to be not touching it, but like you know, uh, hovering over it as you, as it were, or becoming the gesture. Not to play on a on a show we did about a year ago where you said you were not a gesture, but where you're just you know, you're waving your hands around and and controlling things that way. George. I, I th- yeah, I mean, I think well, the article at the end pointed out one thing: is like for 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 macro stuff, large screen displays, large display, uh, digital signage, or things like that. I, I think the gestures, <laughs> the hand motion, non-touch screen stuff, will be your preeminent interface, definitely. Um, I think though, when you're starting to do smaller scale work, like they say, a spreadsheet or some kind of creative endeavor that requires very fine detail, you're still not going to do that because it's still not possible to get that kind of detail and again you're waving your arms all over the place <laughs> i can't stop saying i'm not a gesture this just becomes a sort of you're going to start flanding 747s inadvertently you know it's jeez <laughs> all right don tell tell george he's wrong he is a gesture and he'll eventually be a gesture he'll be the 90 year old guy complaining that he's a gesture but he'll be a gesture right um probably eventually yes that that's where we're gonna go but i i just can't help but think of the logical end evolution of all of this and, and and I think of the movie Accepted. I don't know if anyone's seen that stupid little movie except for me, but you know, I want to learn to blow things up with my mind. That's, that's, that, that, that's kind of like where we're going. We're just going to think about opening that web page and then we're going to think about doing, you know, I mean that's after we start gesturing, then we get to the minute gestures. Somewhere in the article, it was talking about you know getting uh, smaller gestures as opposed to the great big, you know, symphony conducting gestures. <laughs> um, it, eventually, that's what it's going to be. You're going to blink at something, and it's going to you know, I dream of genie style. Uh, turn on, turn off, dun, whatever. Dun, dun, 
dun, dun, dun, dun, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Do we all have to wear dun, 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 those silly little tops, though? Because yes, I just don't have you know those, I would look you know? darn good in those tops. <laughs> you might just <laughs> Matt Scott. Um, <laughs> I need a moment. <laughs> I want a picture um, of that and the lime green suit now. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> you give me you give me some time. We'll work. We'll give Matt Scott some time. He's the one who's the Photoshop genius. Um, Matt, is this <laughs> is this the end game where we just kind of <laughs> nod our head and you know? Everything opens up and, and, and what have you. Well, I think we're going to see that um, to some degree. But again, it, it's one of those things where we still don't have beyond smartphones. We have a very limited uh, deployment and general populace acceptance of touchscreens. You know, if you take the mobile market out of it, I I'm trying to think. I can't think of anyone outside of you know a few of our customers. Um, that actually have a touchscreen in their house anywhere for anything as soon as you take out the mobile. So, yeah, I think we'll get there eventually. But I think, it, again, it'll be something that we're talking about because it's our industry and people will be playing with it. But I don't I don't even think we'll see it in our lifetime um, or my lifetime, not necessarily your lifetime, but definitely not even in mine, um, where – you'll be, you know, in the mall and pinching something to buy it or, or checking it, you know, or using some sort of weird gesture to do something. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see it coming and advancing that fast. We'll get there and people will have it. But, you know, again, it'll be limited in the general acceptance and the general populace who will actually see that. Chris, the, the youngest person on this call said not in his lifetime. Um, that, would be, that would be Matt. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, aren't there, and, and I'm, I'm going to take exception to one of the things you said, Matt. I don't see an iPad or a tablet as a mobile. I know that that's the way a lot of, a lot of websites see them. But to me, that is a, a nice hybrid between a computer and a mobile device. Right, right, right. And, and I, I accept that. All I'm saying is... If we take out that, you know, quote unquote tablet space, touchscreens are very, very limited. Okay. You know, well, as soon as you get out of the mobile products, um, like how many of us, even even the, the five of us on this call, how many have a touchscreen in their house beyond, a, you know, again, a mobile device? Like I have one in my I house. One. All right. So we got two out of five. Yeah. Right. No. And, and that's no. that. That's more where I'm going. Okay. Yeah. I, I. I mean. I. Yeah. I don't. I don't have one. Um. Chris, though, is is this? Where do you see this going? I mean, because I, I can see both sides of this. Where be, you know, all kidding aside, between Dawn's, you know, nodding your head and and something happening, and and you know, Mr. Scott saying it's not going to happen for a while. I can see. I can see both sides of this to where. You know what? Maybe not in my lifetime, but certainly in my kids or my grandkids' lifetime, where you know you you will eventually become some sort of gesture. Well, I have to say that I certainly like Dawn's idea for the end game of of thought control. Um, I can't wait to see that. Um, but I I really don't know what comes directly after touch. I I really don't think that gestures are going to be able to do enough to support everything that you might possibly want to do with a device. Um, as devices do more and more, there's going to have to be some way to, to interact with them and, and issue specific commands. And I think at some point you're going you're gonna to start splitting hairs on what this gesture means versus what this gesture means. And you're going to end up with 
unintended, you know, results. I think that there's going to be multiple kinds of uh, of input. I think the voice control is going to have a really big um, role in the future for controlling things. You think? I mean, how do how do you get it around? I don't know. My kids yelling in the in the background as I'm trying to change the channel or what have you. Well, that's well, recognition filtering, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> Know your master. We're back to the RCA symbol, aren't well, we? Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Voice of your master. I mean, I think that, yeah, exactly. You know, the, there'll be improvements in technology that allow them to recognize your voice over your kid's voice. Um, hopefully, you'll be closer to the microphone than they will be. <laughs> hopefully. Oh, yes, but your kid is not old enough for you to realize that, let me tell you, son, they have a remarkable way of outshouting you no matter what. They have a frequency range that you and I do not. <laughs> oh, I know. You know those old TVs that used to use the Zenith, you know, the Space Echo thing? Or not Space Echo, the Space Remote, you know, that had the two pieces of metal? Yeah, they can turn those things on and off, trust me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, here's something though, I was just thinking of as I was listening to everybody talk. Is like, you know, the gesture thing might work, but it really will be sort of like the mosquito ringtone, a young person's game. Because as you get older, of course, your motor skills and your, your accuracy with those become less and less prodigious, as it were. They, they diminish over time. Where those kind of things might become a young person's thing, and an, you really will sector out sort of a, an an age group that may not be able to manage this accommodation, this new gesture things that they grow up with. And so I think you're right. The voice command thing is probably your best bet alongside with certain gestures um, that become universal but aren't too finite for everyday use. Maybe for some gaming or some specific use, but you know, really, you you, you will set, uh, uh, age out a whole sector. I mean, it'll be um, uh, not Blade Runner. What was the movie where the, you got 30 years old, you got killed? Oh, wow. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. In time. Oh, Logan's Run? Logan's Run. Logan's Run. Okay. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. We have <laughs> our... a cigar. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I mean, although I have, to, I have to tell you, Chris, you know what happens after touch. You have one running around. Yeah, it gets broken. No, you have a little rug rat. I'll always just think, oh, work with me, people. This is not my first night in the room. All right, you're listening to AV Week, uh, the home of Shecky Green's School of Comedy, uh, with our our headmaster, George Tucker, uh, Don Mead, Matt Scott, and Chris Tatton. Uh, Don sent me something that just kind of made my day the other day, so her and I can talk about this, and I don't care what you guys do for the next couple minutes. Uh, From CNET. We go for a pinochle. Do what? Yeah, yeah. Go play pinochle. <laughs> um, the, the story is this: is 4K versus OLED, and and Don and I have are, are of one mind on this one. We've long awaited uh, OLED, but then there's 4K, and and the question is this: I mean, which one really is, I guess, better? If is the best way to put it, um, Don, which one's better, OLED or 4K? Well, to be fair, the articles, which one is more drool-worthy? Yes, I'm sorry. And, yeah, I didn't, I didn't and, use the terminology. Right. And uh, absolutely for me, OLED is definitely more drool-worthy. And of the 800-some people that voted on their little poll on the article, 56% agree with me. OLED is the, uh, is the sexier technology coming out here. Because you're smart that way. That's right. Well, I mean, it's a black, case of it, 4K is... is <laughs> <laughs> Not going to go there. Four, 4K is great for giant screens, for stadiums and things like that. But there's no, the article even says there's no content yet. 
They're going to be coming out with 4K cameras and 4K content, but it isn't there yet. OLED right now would give us thinner monitors, lighter weight monitors, more energy efficient monitors, and just incredible contrast ratios that will blow your mind when you look at the image. So, you know, that's that's where it's at. Plus, I still want the bendy screen. OLED can do that at some point. Yeah, that's the thing, and I agree with you. The OLED is just darn sexy. I mean, it just the colors itself. Um, it will take an HD signal and make it look, in my opinion, if I can use this phrase, more HD, if that makes sense, or more realistic. I don't have a really good you know, another word for it because you know it it does. It just looks deeper. Everything look the colors are more vibrant. It just the picture itself looks more alive. Um, Chris, is this which one is more drool worthy to you, the 4K or the OLED? Well, I'm going to take a, a different standpoint and say that 4K is not new technology. Okay. Um, because all the 4K displays are all based off existing technology. They're just higher resolution. They're the, all the 4K displays. They're edge lit LCDs. Okay. So they're just a couple more pixels slammed into a, into a. Oh, give them a little more credit than that. They're, they're more than just a couple well, no. more pixels. Well, okay, fine. So, so Sony is releasing an 84-inch 4K display, right? So what did they do? They took four 42-inch 1080p displays and pretty much slammed them together without a bezel. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. Yeah, but okay. once you – hold on, hold on. And it, cost, it costs four times the price hold at on. least. <laughs> Once you get into the actual film side of things and the cameras required to produce the content, that's where you see right. the resolution jump. So, yes, I, 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 you know, I buy what you're saying with the, the four screens thrown together, but it's to me the sexiness factor is not the 84-inch um, that they brought or even you know LG's 80-inch or whatever size it is. It's the resolution bump that we're getting with the 4K RED cameras and the 4K Sony cameras and what they're able to record and grab resolution size in that raw format. How it's displayed on those two models of screens really, yeah, it's cool because people see it and they go, oh, I could put this in my house. But, you know, again, as we all know, that Sony is edge lit. It's L LCD. It's yeah, it's cool because it's got 4K resolution, but that's the only thing cool about it. But now that we're actually getting into the the acquisition, the start to finish process of producing 4K content, that's where it gets super cool. OK, but again, you got to be a, you got to be a video junkie like myself to fully get down. <laughs> George, help me out here, here, man. I mean, acceptance is the first step, Matt. Acceptance except, is the yeah. first step. Exactly. See, I know it. Which one is? I'll, I'll, I can't even say it anymore. Which one is more drool worthy? What uh, is it? Is it 4K? Regardless of there's the fact that there is no content, or you know, like Chris said, it's basically the same technology, just four times as much, or is it OLED? I, I predicted this is the year of OLED back on our end of your show. So did, yes. OLED, I did indeed. <laughs> and you scolded me royally. Um, but I didn't I, scold I like you. I questioned it. That was yeah, it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hurt me, baby. It, it, I'm a rubber it's, it's just it, Well, it's just that we've had our hopes up for OLED for so many years. Yes, I first I heard about it 10 years ago, years ago. And every year, here it comes. No, they didn't 
give it to us this year. And it's going to be this year. No, they didn't get, you know, after a while, you just kind of roll over and give up hope. Yeah. yeah. It's like being a Cubs fan. <laughs> I say I say firmly now. ensconced in St. Louis. So, <laughs> sorry, they're in town um, this week. <laughs> I am hopeful for OLED because I want those those white of whites and those black of blacks. I want it to be able to have this thing fade into the background and just have the image. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like that. Ed, like I don't watch much TV, but when I do, I want it to be dramatic and I want it to be impressive. Uh, and for me, the 4K just doesn't doesn't have that zippy wow factor comparatively. See, and that's where I just can't wait for a OLED screen that's capable of producing or reproducing 4K shot footage. Mm. Right? Okay, yeah. That's that's when it'll be because from a from a screen technology, 4K nobody really cares about. The really the only, and I know you're going to hate me for saying this, Tim, but the only you know real cool thing about a 4K display technology. At this point, again, because there really is so limited content, is the fact that you could actually watch 3D in oh, 1080p. Geez. No, I, again, I know, I know where you stand on that. I'm just that is right now. That is the only. That's the only reason you're seeing 4K projectors from Christie popping up in movie theaters around the country. It's so that they can actually show you whatever movie you're going to see this weekend in 3D in an actual 1080p resolution so the from the screen side the oled is a much cooler technology and it much more beneficial down the road but again it, it's as far as i'm concerned you can't compare the two screens to one another it's no comparison the oled always wins but when you get into the actual you know what it'll display when you tie those two together it's going to blow everything out of the water Oh yeah, I mean, combining the two technologies. Oh my gosh, it, that that's the epitome. Until we have 8K. <laughs> Jeez, stop it! Thanks, thanks Chris. Stop it! <laughs> and you know what I'm really <laughs> I'm just... waiting for? Hang on, is 16K because it's 16K. Well, I can watch 4D. I I can't wait till I get 16K on my iPhone 24. <laughs> stop it, dude! I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna buy bigger no, pants. No, you're gonna be you're gonna be so old. You're not gonna care at that point. So. Retinal right. implants. That's all I'm waiting for. <laughs> From Engadget. Uh, this is something we've talked a lot about uh, content uh, delivery systems and, and content uh, on this show, simply because um, a lot of what we do, both in the pro and the resi market, uh, is affected by this. You know, whether that's um, TiVo or Dish Network or DirecTV and all the other, you know, uh, you know providers of content. Something came out this week. Uh, it originally, it was in the New York Times. Uh, Engadget picked it up. It's about Fox, and Fox is, and from from my standpoint, Fox has not not exactly been could could they couldn't be accused of being uh, forward thinking, let's say, when it comes to their content. However, I will have to give it to them uh, to it. The, I have to give it to them this time. Uh, according to the New York Times, Fox is about to up the ante when it comes to downloadable and online uh, video. Uh, there are, they're making available ultraviolet and actually other uh, formats as well. Copies for sale three weeks ahead of the release of Blu-ray, DVD, or on-demand rental. Now, let me say that again, uh, maybe a little bit more eloquently. Basically, you're going to be able to download the video uh, from Fox, uh, any, any movie, not any movie, but a lot of movies, um, 
released by Fox, you're going to be able to download those movies before you can video on demand them or you can physically purchase them. George, is this just kind of the next step and is this where we're going to end up where um, Love Him or Hating the head of, of Netflix said by 2020 we're going to be out of the DVD rental business? Um, is this where we're all headed where, you know, Blu-ray might be dead or, or at least, you know, on its way out already, which is weird. I can certainly hope so. I've never cottoned on to the Blu-ray revolution, as it were, because I just they lost they lost me at competing formats. I'm sorry. So I, I'm hopeful that that's what it is. And I, I you might actually get me to watch more TV if I could download the stuff that I don't go to the movie theaters to watch. So there. Yeah. Uh, Matt, is this something where you're looking forward to? <laughs> I'm not. I agree with you. So I'm, you know, um, and I, I hesitate asking you this, and, and I'm not making fun of you in any way, shape, or form. No, no, it's Canada. It's I Canada, <laughs> and it sucks. <laughs> I, I feel but for I'm, you. I mean, I saw the d- delicious link, and I went crap. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to break my heart again. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> no, not poking fun at the no, fact no, that it, you know. He, I don't know. Here, here's my only issue with this. And, you know, I've spoken about this many times on the show. As someone who does do a fair amount of resi, I love the Blu-ray format because it's the, you know, the closest thing to watching something in a theater that you're ever going to get at home. The resolution levels, the audio signals, everything is fabulous. It really is that good. I don't understand how George doesn't get it, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> maybe because, like, I barely remember the format wars, let alone. You oh, know. be quiet. Ooh, Continue. Wow. Yeah. Anyways. Um, that Many lives were lost, son. You should remember. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I still have my beta. Never mind. Hang on. <laughs> the beta um, bayonets. Yes. Nice. What my concern is, is we're still not to a point, uh, especially in Canada, where you can download something and get full resolution, full HD, full audio bit rates. Um, we're not seeing that. It's not coming across the networks. The uh, Like, for example, the city I'm in right now doesn't have the backbone from AT&T or Comcast or whoever's up here to accurately provide that you know bandwidth required to do that, let alone – if the content providers were actually selling that, even the stuff you know we're downloading from Amazon or Apple TV or uh, iTunes is not true. Like it's not Blu-ray quality. It's DVD quality and sometimes HD quality, but it's not Blu-ray quality. And that's that's my concern is that you know I'm as I said I'm a big lover of Blu-rays. I'm a big lover of if I'm going to sit down and watch a movie and spend money to watch it, I want to watch it in the highest possible resolution I can. So when I'm at home and I'm watching, you know, or trying to flip through the Rogers box at home to download and stream something from my local cable provider, I can't do it. You could ask my wife. I get frustrated because I sit there and I'm watching, you know, HD, HD, HD. And they're charging eight bucks, nine bucks a movie, and I'm going. That's not HD. That's 720 with a highly compressed audio channel. No, 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 no. That is not HD. Don't tell me that's. Like, I know it's technically HD, but don't tell me that's HD and that I got to pay this much to watch something that's going to pixelate like crap on my plasma. Okay, I mean, and I'll give you that, Don. Is is this? I mean, 
I'm walking off my soapbox. No, you're fine. You're fine. I, I don't. <laughs> here's the thing. I feel like I feel bad for you because it, it is Canada. Um, but Dawn's not in Canada, so we'll ask her. Um, uh, you know what? I'm gonna climb back on Matt's soapbox. Do it. Okay. Come on. In, in in a slightly different take, oh, and that's you know, granted, maybe it's because I'm a woman and we like hold the checkbook or whatever. But I am too cheap to pay. Twenty thirty dollars. They were saying last year they had a um, a premium video demand rental pilot that was thirty bucks, and previous releases using this download system were twenty dollars. Now it's down to fifteen dollars mm-hmm. to download it. Man, I, I'm I, I'm lucky if I pay three or four bucks for my Amazon downloads to my Kindle. I mean, I. I, I cannot see paying that much for some pixels. I know there's all kinds of cost of making the movies and blah, blah, blah involved and front end and back end deals and all that sort of thing. But like if I'm paying 15 bucks, I want a damn disc to hold in my hand and put on my shelf. You know what I mean? I, I, yep. I just and, and I know the discs only cost a dime or whatever to reproduce. Even then, you're still getting a physical something. You know, if my computer crashes and I lose a file. I lost that file that I paid 30 bucks for, you know, I, I mean, I, and I will admit I've paid money to Amazon to download some things to my Kindle, but again, it was usually stuff on sale and I paid very little for it. And even then it really chapped my <laughs> took us to, you know, I just, I, I, I want the physical thing if I'm buying it, or I want the full experience of being in a theater with the junk food and the whole, you know, ambiance. I, I either want an experience or a product. I don't want to just sit and look at the computer and pay a bunch of money. Don, let me ask you a question. It w- it uh-huh. would make you feel better if it was a a Steam or a Valve like experience. With if if you don't know what Valve or Steam is, it's it's an online uh, service that holds basically your, your the rights to video games, uh, and they have um, you know a, a piece of software that you download, and when you get a new computer, you just simply download the games you've already purchased. Would it make you feel better if there was a system like that where you wouldn't necessarily lose the file? You would always have that there? Maybe. But even then, you know, I'm, I'm relying on somebody else's storage. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, as, I mean, as long as and how how cross platform is that if I, you know, if I have a Kindle now, but I get an iPad later or whatever, it, it, you know, it's so similar to the I, iTunes model. I, I, I never liked the iTunes model because you're buying music, you're paying real money for music that you don't own, you're only licensing, and you really could only use it on your iPod. And if you get a, you know, a Zune or a regular computer or whatever, it's, it's problematic. You know, trying, I mean, you have to go to hacking to get the stupid thing. I, I just have issues with the whole model. And, and you, you, said, you, said Zune, you said you said Zoom, you said Zoom, and and Matt's lost it. Just for the I know, I, you, but you know what I mean. Like some of these cheapy yes. little MP3 yes. player for your kid, you know, you're not going to oh. buy them of however much. Dawn, I sister, Dawn, believe in the cloud. Believe, you believe Hallelujah, the cloud. We'll I uh, save in the cloud. I use the cloud, but you know, I, there are limits. <laughs> I've got to agree with Dawn though on on the one point of my issue with a lot of this stuff uh, that I didn't address is that you don't own most of it when you download it. When I pay my cable company $9 to watch a, you know, a high def movie, I get it for 24 hours. I used to be able to go to Best Buy or I'm sorry, not Best Buy, but Blockbuster and buy a previously viewed Blu-ray for $9 and watch it as many times as I want. I've got a gigantic iTunes library, 90% of which I own. 
but the stuff that I buy from iTunes, I don't own, and that drives me insane that I don't own that content, even though I've paid for it. Right. Chris, are you, you, do you want or need or desire to own that physical copy, or are you okay with just downloading it and owning the, the digital version of it? Well, I haven't bought an actual physical disc in I don't know how long. I, I want to say it's at least six or seven years. Wow. Um, I don't necessarily feel that – I don't watch a, a ton of movies. I don't necessarily feel the need to, you know – to own a disc necessarily because I don't necessarily feel the need to 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 watch that movie again and again and again for you know may, may, maybe once once the the little boy starts watching you know stuff on TV I'll need to get a disc for you know children's shows but I I don't feel the need for movies but the one thing that I was thinking about while reading this article is what problem does this solve for the end user um and, yeah. and and that's that's really what it's going <laughs> to boil down to, I think, because it, it, this is this is a solution. Solved. This is a solution looking for a problem. Well, the only the only thing it does is I don't is, know. That's true though. Well, I, I, you know what it solves? I, I, it solves me not having to go out and get a disc. I don't want to go out and get a disc. I don't want to go to Best Buy. No, no, no. Don't want to go to Best Buy. Leave me alone. That's not, that's not what this is doing. This isn't talking about you know we're gonna you know you don't have to go out and get a disc. This isn't talking about we're gonna start streaming movies now. This is talking about we're gonna start streaming movies. Earlier, it's not even streaming though. It, it, it is it is a download, so it, it is that, or, or and it gives it and it gives it to you, you know, earlier. If if you're yeah. one of those type of people, and there are those who like to go see stuff first or like to have the experience first, some of those people will go to the movie theater and see the movies. Right? Uh, this this summer, you would have gone to see Batman the theater and see the movie. Yeah, but there might be those of us who have gotten to a, such an age that I don't know. 40-ish, and one or two kids where it's going to cost you 50 bucks to go to the movie, but you still would like to see it as soon as possible. So we're stuck in that middle area there where you're not going to go to the movies, but you'd like to see it as soon as possible. So there, there is a weird sweet spot. I don't know, yeah, dude. This, I'm we're not talking here. about months. We're talking about, what, three weeks? Three weeks, yeah. Yeah, I don't really particularly yeah. care about seeing it earlier. It's about I can get it when I want it when I need it and I don't have to worry about it and mm. I don't have to go where's the disc did the kids touch it did I have to have this physical disc I don't want a credenza for that thing yeah and George did, and yes, you other, go ahead George yeah I was gonna say no, that, no, you make saying, a good point don't let the kids touch it that you know you know my my four-year-old seems to think that every DVD known to man is a frisbee yeah no I, that's why they're round <laughs> be quiet Matt <laughs> there, there is there is that issue like like Matt you know and Don said it's like I don't want to have to um, worry about who owns it. You know, I want to physically own it. But, you know, those concepts of ownership really aren't there anymore. Yes, they theoretically could say like the Kindle did or somebody did with uh, 1984 and remove it from your Kindle because they didn't have rights to it. But they should have been selling it in the first place. I'm sorry. There was a licensing agreement that didn't happen. So you want your content, but the person you got it from couldn't offer it. You'll find another venue for them to offer it or someone else will offer it. You will still retain some measure of ownership. It's just you don't need this physical disc that you can copy and give to your friends and then have others get it without paying for it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, all right, guys. Last but not least, uh, a couple other stories real quickly. Uh, we, this came down just this morning. Kramer and Commercial Integrator are doing a webinar on October 10th about the analog sunset. And as they're putting it, the digital sunrise, I thought that was a nice touch. <laughs> How to handle digital signal routing. 
Um, Don, is this is a webinar, which let's be honest here is probably just, you know, um, kind of like this where somebody's going to get in front of a microphone and have a PowerPoint presentation and go through it. Uh, not sure how much interaction there will be. Is this the best way to get up to speed on the analog sunset, or would it be better? Would you be better suited to go to maybe um, Kramer's, you know, manufacturer's training, or Extron or Crestron's manufacturer's training? I think it's an imperfect solution to a widespread problem. I mean, Kramer and Extron and whoever else, they've been offering these courses on Analog Sunset. I know this particular course taught by Melissa Dillman, who's my girl. I love her. She's awesome. But (laughs) I've I've taken this course at one of the Infocom roundtables from Melissa. So, And I got a lot out of it. I think, though, there are enough little integrators and little people that touch on our industry that don't go to the round tables or won't go to the manufacturer training or won't bother with, you know, the other classes, they still need this info. It, it, you know, sure. as, as an industry as a whole, we need this info out there. So I think if they can offer it as a webinar, that's even half as effective as the live course, it's better than nothing for a lot of these people. And, you know, some bosses, they don't give them the time off to get their learning on, you know, and it, with the webinars, if they record them when they do them live and then you can go back and watch it. I may even take part in the webinar just to refresh mm-hmm. my memory. I, I think it's, it's, it's a part of a comprehensive theme of getting out the info on the analog sunset. Um, is it the perfect solution? No, but it's better than nothing. That's a good point. That's a good. We're, by the way, we're, we'll put a link to it on, on our website. Chris, is this like Don said, better than nothing uh, when it comes to getting up to speed on the on the analog sunset? Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, anything is better than nothing. But you know, even if you, you know, I don't know how long the the webinar lasts. I'm assuming maybe an hour. But you know, if you even if you learn, you know, a half a dozen things that you might not have known before, it was worth that that hour long time. You know. Digital is coming, analog is going away, and you just have to prepare yourself any way possible. And if, and if like like Don said, if you don't get the time to go out to training, you get, you got to do something. Wikipedia is not going to tell you everything. Oh, you! Wikipedia will tell me everything. <laughs> Matt, is this? <laughs> sorry, uh, Matt. Um, this is on Wednesday, October tenth. Is this you know, like the, like everybody's saying? Is this better than nothing? Because uh, apparently, analog is is going somewhere. Yeah, it's dying. No, Did you not hear? I didn't hear Dude, that. Didn't you get the email? Uh, I don't have. I an sent email. you an email. I don't have email. I sent you one. Oh uh, well. It went from the carrier pigeon. <laughs> it, it got hung from up Canada. in customs. You know what? I'm uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of, of reading Game of Thrones, so you know. <laughs> so the carrier pigeon makes sense. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. No, I think it's great. And again, you know, <laughs> not to trash Canada again, but because I usually you know live and work in Canada, um, we don't get as many manufacturer events. Uh, up in the Great White Tundra. So we use webinars a lot with with myself and with some of our staff members to keep up to date and, you know, learn about new products, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I love webinars. Again, do I think it's the best thing in the world? No, it's it's always better to sit in a class where you can, you know, get face to face and, uh, you know, ask questions and do stuff like that. But if that's not available, and this is, why not take advantage of it? True, true. George, can you and I go to this webinar, please? Sure. Okay, good. There you go. And I, I, I too, concur with everybody else, although I have to say this has got to be the longest sunset 
Ever. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I you know we've had this argument before. Yes, analog is still valid. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to still be valid five, six years from now as well in certain institutions. Your, your, your world being one of them. Yes. Education. They're going to, it's going to, they're still using cassettes for goodness sakes. And VHS um, tapes. Yes. Yeah, I won't give them a pass on that one. Cassettes? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. You've, but, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a good discussion VHS. later. But there, there are, there are some, there are, hang on, there are some professors who will literally has literally, they've literally, literally told me you will get this VHS tape from my cold, dead hands. So, yeah. Film strips. Oh, hey, good look, Lord. We, <laughs> film strips. Bing. <laughs> Separate audio track. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the slide now. Um, but you know, we we actually use them here. I mean, at World Stage, we 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 use forms of webinar to teach across because we have companies on the, we have a company on the West Coast and a company on the East Coast to transfer information to do uh, you know some training on certain devices. The, the rep is here. Hey, let's set up a streaming cam. Uh, sometimes we can get HD. Sometimes it's just not possible. But we try. And here's what he's doing. It's not nearly as good as the guys are getting their hands on it there, but at least you've had the exposure. And once you get the machine in your hand, oh, I saw that on that training video. Yes, that kind of makes sense. Let me now go that way. Okay. You know, you know and I think webinars work really well for this type of thing where it's, it's an information delivery device. You know, you, you're not trying to configure a box where that hands-on time is really, really valuable. You know, this is this – is, passing information pretty much in a one-way direction. Yeah, and that, and, that, and that was kind of my point was, you know, and, and all of you guys said the same thing. It's better than nothing, but something like this, having that two-way communication really is preferable over just, you know, a PowerPoint. But like you guys have all said, this is better than nothing if you don't have the opportunity to go to manufacturer's training. So uh, finally, this is just for George. The rest of you guys can go, you know, um, you know go, go get a drink or something. Uh, from BBC, the yeah, for me. special edition, special Monopoly edition celebrates Alan Turing's life. It's just kind of cool. So, <laughs> George, who was Alan Turing? Alan Turing is someone whom, if not for him, most of Europe would be speaking German and Hawaii would probably be a Japanese property. Yes. Uh, Alan Turing was a mathematician and cyber expert who was at something called Bletchley Park, which they were decoding the German Enigma machines, which is a super secret device that they would use to communicate uh, over the airwaves with each other, had rotors. It was very complicated. But he and a few others figured out how to make a machine uh, that used valves and relays to quicken up the decoding that the human computers, these women who would go through all these codes and figure out maybe what rotor they used to finally get the message. So instead of a three weeks of seeing the message, they could almost do it in real time. Yeah. And they were tracking things like during the Rommel uh, across the desert, they were tracking his messages to, to Germany in real time. Um, he was a, a very interesting man and who suffered terribly under the old laws of uh, England <laughs> for being gay. Yeah. Um, but he is one of those people that without him, much of what we do today wouldn't be possible. And most of us wouldn't be in free lands. That's true. Uh, in, in my estimation, it really comes down to who are the like four great, maybe five great people who have basically built what we are in today as a, as a technological society. It's Charles Babbage, Turing. Robert Noyce and Jobs. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Jack Kirby. You know, uh, those guys, but really. Uh, and I, I like this. I like the whole little, the original <laughs> drawing, too. If you read the article, there's an original drawing by somebody that shows, like, 
the entire Bletchley Park board. That's really cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Uh, last but not least, uh, we here at AV Nation uh, have a, a slight uh, short announcement. Uh, we have uh, ended our exclusive uh, deal with Rave Publications. Uh, we wish them well. They're actually starting some podcasts of their own, so go check them out at ravepubs.com. But uh, you can check all of our stuff still at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Go there now. There's a blog post uh, about this explaining a little bit more. Uh, but we just wanted to take, the moment, take a moment and say wish them well. Uh, had a lot of fun uh, over the last eight months, uh, but I think it's time to move on. Uh, so I just wanted to take a moment and, and you know acknowledge them and, and say you know uh, good luck to you guys. So uh, also um, with us this week uh, is George Tucker. Thank you guys so much for joining us, uh, George Tucker. He is with World Stage. Uh, tell people where they can find you, sir. You can find me at Tucker's Tuesday. You can find me on Tucker Tuesday on Twitter, and I blog for several people, including AV Shout and more come. Okay. Uh, so with this is Dawn Meach. She's from Net AV, but you can also call her AV Dawn because that's another name that you know her by. Where can people find you, ma'am? Well, you can find the company and myself at net-av.com. Um, I'm available on Twitter at AV Dawn. I have my blog at avdawn.com. Although it's not really updated, I have to work on that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can find me at Infocom events and NSCA events and all kinds of places being cool and groovy. Very cool. Uh, also, Matt D. Scott from Omega Audio Video. Where can people find you, sir? Uh, OmegaAudioVideo.com and MattDScott.com or all over the Twitterverse under those handles as well. Very cool. And finally, Mr. Chris Tatton from HB Communications. Um, do you have anything like a Twitter or a Facebook or anything? I do. I do have a Twitter. There you that go. Is seldom used. It is uh, Chris underscore Tatton. There you are. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, um, I don't really talk much. So <laughs> T D is in David Albright. A L B R I G H T. But more importantly, for me and everybody here at Aviation, go by the website Aviation TV. Aviation TV. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>